0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Sound Heart. First of all, I'd like to give thanks to God for Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. He is first our Savior and subsequently He is our Lord. When we submit our will to His will, then Jesus becomes our Lord. And so I want to also give thanks to God for this opportunity to meet with his people. And um, recently, I went over some of the past shows, and I always look at the stats of how many people are, are tuned to the shows, and I've found that the old uh, shows are growing in number. And uh, so they're being listened to um by people all around the world again and and i'm very appreciative of that and uh so this ministry is for you and it is to build you up in the faith that was once for all given to the saints and so my prayer is that you would pray for me uh, that god would strengthen me and uh, give me the wherewithal spiritually and mentally and physically uh, that I need to continue this ministry in this present in this present evil age. Um, evil men are, are waxing worse and worse, uh, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, scripture is being fulfilled, and I'm not talking about the broad out- outlines of of eschatological events, um, but the other events that. Uh, the Vilca writers spoke about that people don't seem to pay a, a much attention to. But I look at the broad strokes of eschatology, and also I look into the, the minutiae, the minute aspects uh, of eschatology that I see at work. Um, and uh, some powerful events are taking uh, taking shape and taking place. We may not know them all, but uh, they are nonetheless happening. So it behooves us to be, uh, as Paul wrote in Ephesians six, where we, uh would have the uh, have on put on the armor of God, uh, and having them all to stand. And uh, we we have the sword of Spirit, and uh, we have prayer. So. This is the way we become effective. This is the way way we are to protect ourselves um, uh, in this present evil age. I'm going to keep saying that because uh, Paul writes about that. uh, That is this present evil age in Galatians chapter 1. Please read Galatians. Read chapters 1 through 6 because there is a spiritual battle um, with the Judaizers. Uh, who were after, uh, after Peter. And uh, Paul said some very, very powerful things uh, about the Judaizers and uh, their methods of going after the believing community. So it is well worth you reading. Read the book of Galatians and then go on and read the book of Ephesians. So uh, in Galatians, Paul talks about uh, the lawless ones. And uh, the Judaizers would have never believed themselves to be the lawless ones, but they—they were—they were the lawless ones, and they were after the believers. They wanted to compromise their faith. And interestingly enough, Paul talks about how believers uh, were leaving the faith uh, after following Christ. And so the the language is is very profound that Paul uses there. Now. Uh, let us have a word of prayer and to that we our story for this evening. We do thank you, Father, for this opportunity to meet with your saints. We pray, Lord, for your people throughout the world uh, who are being persecuted because of their belief in you. They are not of this age. They are not of this world. They belong to you. And the demonic forces and powers uh, recognize this. And so they seek to hurt. They seek to curtail the spiritual um, power Uh, of believers. They seek, Lord, to harm them spiritually. They seek to harm their their consciences. They seek to um, usurp their will away from you, Lord. They seek any opportunity, Lord, to destroy you. They want to destroy Christian marriages and Christian homes. They want to destroy your people. And so, Lord, we know that in your great high priestly prayer in the book of John, you pray for your your people. And so tonight we ask you to be guided by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, tonight's topic is Jesus, our great high priest, our great high priest. Now, I'm going to be reading from Revelation 1 uh, before we go to the book of Hebrews. I want to read uh, from Revelation chapter 1 because there Uh, John has an aspect of the uh, high priest uh, uh, ministry of Jesus that has to do uh, with directly with his people. Now, I'm not saying that the book of Hebrews does not deal directly with the people of God, but uh, the book of Hebrews deals with the persecution of believers. And John in the Revelation deals with the persecution of he and other believers. And the context of Revelation 1 is uh, the revelation that John received while he had been uh, exiled on Patmos, which is an island in the Aegean Sea. And John tells us why he was exiled there. Uh, and now I'm going to start with uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. Quote, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. So th- this is modern Turkey. Turkey has an interesting uh, history. So John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you or a and, peace Irene, from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, or out from among the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, Unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests, unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, John has already said a lot in verses 4 through 6. So, and... When we take a careful look at verse 5, we, and notice that the name is Revelation, not Revelations, not plural, singular. It is the uh, apocalypsis, the unveiling. So God is revealing his will um, to us, and that is how he will end this present age. Uh, in in old theology books, this was called the church age, but uh, so the revelation does talk about end times. Daniel talks about end times. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the minor prophets uh, make reference to uh, to end the end times. So we need to read all these books to have a a, a real picture of of biblical eschatology. Most of the books of the Bible have reference to eschatological events, that is, end-time events, not just the Revelation or Revelation and not just the book of Daniel. But in order to understand Revelation, you need to know the book of Daniel. In order to understand the book of Daniel, you need to understand the book of Revelation. These books are uh, are, are cornerstones, as it were, Revelation, and you also need to understand and read the all that discourse uh, given by our Lord Himself. So, uh, John refers to Jesus as the faithful witness and the first begotten out from among the dead. Uh, so uh, he is he is the firstborn. Uh, he is the so he is the cornerstone he is the head of the church out from among the dead and so uh we have uh, please read first Corinthians 15. so we have the 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 resurrection of jesus that is the snatching out uh, that is the the uh, the standing up of jesus uh out of the grave, and when Jesus was buried uh in that tomb, uh, he didn't lie there on that, on that stone uh, uh, because he, he had swooned. Now, if you know anything about uh, that part of the world, uh, people upon death, people were buried uh, quickly uh, because decomposition of the body uh, began uh, very early. So uh the bodies were prepared, the spices and then uh carefully if you had the money, uh linen and napkins were were, were traditional. So the body was washed and then uh, uh these fragrances were applied and the body was wrapped. Uh Jesus body was carefully uh washed and the women took care of him, and so his body was placed in the tomb. A napkin was placed about his head, and then the rest of his body uh, was wrapped. And uh, so you can read in great detail as to how this this was done. So there was not a single uh, shroud, as it were, that was placed over his body. as with, And I'm speaking with reference to the Shroud of Turin. Uh, so, for forensic purposes, we know that uh, when the apostles went to the tomb and they looked in and what did they see? They saw a napkin uh, for that had been wrapped about the head, and then they saw the rest uh, of, of the, the dressings that had been undisturbed. They were not torn as uh, torn, torn apart. They saw and they remembered what Jesus had said to them. And uh, so the, this forensic evidence was preserved for us, for the first witnesses. They were to be uh, first-person witnesses of the resurrection. The women saw him first, and then they went and reported to the men. <laughs> and there was some skepticism until they got to the grave and they looked in and they saw uh, what had happened. Remember, the Romans had rolled down the stone uh, in front of the tomb and the Roman seal was under it uh, with wax uh, and, uh, so that this thing could not be opened without the authority of Rome. And also centurion were there. Uh, so there's no way the apostles or anyone was going to come and steal away the body. Okay. Now you need to read the four gospel accounts of uh, this event in order to to understand what happened at that point and uh, how the the centurion were affrighted by uh, the presence of these these very special beings that appeared. And uh you know, they were they became a dead man. Now this is very powerful supernatural events we need in our minds, we need in our hearts, and we must believe the account of the word. Okay. The uh, and the events were written by again, first person witnesses. And <clears throat> so Jesus is called the faithful witness, witness to whom? To, uh, to the will of God, the mind of God, and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. The prince of the kings of the earth. Please read Psalm 2. Uh, and the, the Bible speaks very broadly about the kingship of Jesus. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ. Now, notice the Bible doesn't say some, but every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He will, uh, his lordship will be confessed. That is to agree with God. First word, Homo oh, that's used 1 John 1.9. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That is agree with God that Jesus is Lord. This is the destiny of all beings. He is the God-man. He will uh, he will, make an end of his enemies. Read Revelation 19. And he cometh. Uh, John writes in, in, in Revelation 1-7, uh, John writes, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And also, uh, they also which pierced him. This is verse 7, Revelation 1. And all kingdoms of the earth will wail because of him, even so, amen. Now, he cometh with what? Uh, Paul talks about this. And he cometh with clouds of things. Wow. John uses the imperfect tense. Uh, the clouds kept pouring out of heaven. Clouds and clouds and clouds and clouds. Clouds and clouds ad infinitum of saints following Jesus. Now, when he comes in Revelation 19, he is no longer in his high priestly garb as we see him in Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation 1, he is dressed as our high priest. Revelation 19, he is dressed as the divine warrior. John, you know, and I always get a smile when I read this. John talks about, uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, John speaks about the, the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. And I just love that language because John is not intimidated by man. And uh, he, he understands, uh, you know, who his warrior is. And, and so please read Revelation chapter 5. Read Revelation chapter 5. And there in Revelation five six John wrote and I verse six quote And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood the lamb, not a lamb, the lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns. Horns denotes power. Seven horns denotes the plenitude of completion of power. Seven eyes uh, means complete completion of awareness, complete omniscience, seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So, and, uh, what we have here is the seven still book. And through this book, Jesus reclaims title, D, uh, a title, uh, the title deed over the earth. Um, uh, the, the enemy has usurped, uh, leadership over the earth. And, uh, Jesus is coming back to reclaim uh, the stolen title. And uh, the land uh, had, had been ta- has been taken over by the enemy. He, and uh, so God is going to take what belongs to him back by force and by irresistible uh, judgment that Are going to come up on the enemies of God. They cannot win, and God has never lost. And this, the it is beyond irrationality to fight against God. But you see the 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 madness of hubris. You see the inherent madness of human arrogance to believe that that one can fight against God. You see this hubris uh, manifest uh, in Goliath, who, and, and go back and read his language and, and what he said about the people of God and uh, and, and what David heard uh, with, uh, with holy ears. And so... He was, uh, the giant was overthrown through his, through his hubris and his arrogance. You see this throughout the Old Testament, God overthrowing the hubris of men. Read Genesis chapter 5 and read about the great flood. And uh, I watch a lot of different shows in which people talk about these lost kingdoms and these kingdoms that have been found in the oceans and uh, other parts of the world and they cannot explain. And what is really interesting to me uh is the the sophistication of the technologies that they have found. Uh these were super uh super kingdoms and the the primitivism that Children uh, have been taught in school about the ordinance of man or are not found in the word of God. There is one city that, uh, that, that Joshua conquered uh, when he went into the promised land, and the name translates uh, as University Town, University Town. It was a, a, uh, uh, just a center of learning. And so we're not talking about uh, people who are primitive and unlearned. Um, and so these were very, very sophisticated, intelligent uh, uh, city-states. They're filled with uh, evil people, with evil practices, and uh, they were very sophisticated. Uh, They had a very sophisticated awareness of the powers of darkness and and spells and witchcraft. So, I just want you to get an understanding as to why God withdrew these people. Now, in Revelation 1, 6, Paul writes, John writes, and hath made us, uh, quote, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So uh, this is the destiny of, the, of God's real people, of the redeemed. Those who, uh, whose salvation were not purchased with corruptible gold or silver but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. We are kings. And priest unto God and His Father, He hath hath made us, and that word "made" uh, means uh, it, uh, it is a word that denotes that denotes quality. It denotes quality. Everything with God uh, is rich with immediate immediate pertinence. As to who and what we are, stop looking for confirmation of your faith in the cosmic system. It's not going to happen. The cosmic system is a lie. It is pseudos. It, it is. It is. It is the lie. The cosmic system is the lie. It is called the cosmic system because it is decorated in order to do what? It is decorated as such a way so as to uh, manipulate the appetite and the senses and to perverse uh, acts. It is designed to uh, move people away from God. The people of God. And So the Bible tells you and I that we cannot effectively follow Jesus unless we crucify the flesh. If the flesh is not crucified, I can philosophize about my faith in Jesus. I can philosophize about Jesus. I can can write theological books about Jesus. And I can agree with certain great theologians and their statements about Jesus. But I cannot live for Jesus if I have not crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. Whoever teaches that one can follow Jesus without crucifying the flesh is a false teacher, including one's own flesh. The flesh must be crucified. Jesus said, he who follows me must do it. Take up his cross. Take up his cross. And the flesh must die. The flesh must die. Because the flesh keeps us from rich fellowship with the Lord. The flesh will hold my thoughts in bondage to a woman who is not mine, and I will and I will want her sexually, and she is not mine, or a man who does not belong to a wife, or or and uh, her thoughts is uh, her thoughts are of him instead of were her thoughts should probably be. The, the woman must crucify the flesh. The man must crucify the flesh. It is only then that we will have the rich relationship with Christ that we, that we can't have. If we do not, then we torture ourselves and we cannot cleanse our conscience from dead works. Our high priest can cleanse our conscience from dead works. Our high priest can cleanse us from sins of the flesh. Our high priest will cleanse us from sins of the flesh. When we think about Jesus, We must think about him completely. I've gone over verse 7. I'm going to skip down to verse 9. I, John, quote, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation uh, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ within the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, that is, through the word of God, for should uh, read, a preposition there, uh, the word uh, should read dia, uh, means through, through the word of God and through the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit, uh, Ezekiel writes of this, Ezekiel says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. <laughs> I don't actually know what John means by I was in the spirit. But it is a very powerful uh, state of being, uh, and John just tells just gives us tells us of the phenomenal. He does not tell uh, give us an understanding of the essence of what of uh, what this means. But he John writes, "I was in the spirit," so. We don't know uh, where to go with this. And then John begins his testimony. So he said, I heard behind me a great voice at those trumpets saying, I'm alpha. And notice, uh, Revelation, we have Exodus 3.14 saying, I am the great, uh, well, I will be what I will be. And notice, so we have uh, the pronoun uh, Ego. And uh, then we have what? We have the, the, the verb, am, am, I am. So uh, uh, I am alpha, so, uh, we, so we have the emphatic pronoun, ego, and then we have uh, the present indicative. So we have I am, I am uh, alpha, which is the, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and omega. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it into the seven churches, which are in Asia, or once again, modern Turkey. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden Candle, six, candle stands. And in the midst of the seven candle stands, six, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the breast with a golden girdle. So John begins his his description. Uh, I was in the spirit. Remember, verse 10, I was in the spirit. His head and his hairs were white like wool. John didn't say they were white wool. White like wool. His head and his hairs. And so we have a picture of the, the, the eternal presence, the eternal wisdom uh, of God, as it were. And then he goes, John writes, as white as snow. So we have eternal wisdom, ageless wisdom um, that existed before creation, that that was prior to mass energy. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Now just picture this. His eyes were as a flame of fire. This is a frightening picture of our high priest. He goes on. And his feet lack unto fine brass, as if burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, first John, in verse 10, John said, and I heard behind, John wrote, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, and here... In verse fifteen, John says, and his voice as it writes quote, and his voice as the sound of many waters. What a compelling portrait of the Savior and the eternal richness of his of his character and of his purity. And of his insight, his feet likened to fine brass denotes judgment. Brass in the Bible is is a symbol of judgment. And remember, Jesus is here pictured as the high priest of the church. The candlesticks, uh, the, the, the candlesticks represent the church. And notice in the verse 13, uh, Revelation 1, he is in the midst of the seven gold, seven candlesticks. He's in their midst. <coughs> and verse 16, and he had in his right hand a star. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So, the so we have the seven stars. The mystery of the seven stars with the stars in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches. The seven. The candlesticks or stars are the seven churches. This is Revelation one twenty. Now, so John, I'm going back up, and so John uh, talks. John says, and and after this, uh, verse sixteen, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And so now we're back to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four talks about the word of god hebrews 4 so hebrews 4 uh verse 12 quote for the word of god is living and active that it the word of god is a mighty weapon sharper than any double edged sword it penetrates even to dividing uh to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Please listen carefully to the language. There are no secret sins, Psalm 90. There are no hidden sins. Please read the book of Leviticus. There are no secret sins. There are no hidden sins. There may be favorite sins. There may be there may be favorite sinful thoughts. But notice what we read in Hebrews four thirteen. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Thing is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. What does John write about these eyes in Revelation? John says, I'm going to read these words again, Revelation 1. John says verse 114, his eyes were as a flame of fire. Book of Hebrews once again. Everything is uncovered Hebrews 4:13, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account to whom we give account. The Word of God penetrates and benefits us. The Word of God stabilizes us and keeps us balanced. The word of God keeps on penetrating, so that it may keep on benefiting us. <clears throat> <clears throat> Revelation one sixteen, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That is, and here it is not the room fire. It is the, uh, here it is the the fire. And which means if this is a saber. It is a long cutlass. Um, so when the angel told Mary that a sword will pierce her heart, he was talking about this. They were on fire. That would pierce her heart because of what she would experience with regard to her beloved son. out of his mouth with a sharp two edged sword. So this is John's picture of our high priest. And I wanted to you to have this picture of our high priest before we go into more depth in the book of Hebrews. I want you to know what Jesus is currently doing in the third heaven, in the sanctuary of God, as our great high priest. With regard to our salvation, Hebrews chapter 1, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high because of a finished salvation. But he is standing up as our high priest, and he is ministering on our behalf. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. The word of God is active and alive. The word of God is active and alive. You cannot hide. you cannot shrink. There is no place that we can hide from God. We cannot hide sin in our hearts because the word what? The word penetrates. And it keeps on penetrating. And it does not stop penetrating. There are, there are no secret places. And so the, uh, no matter what we believe, uh, we can think that we can run into the recesses of darkness as far and as fast as we can, but we cannot. The word of God will find us. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. It is time to let go of sin, the favorite sin. It is time to release it. It is time to confess and to get back into fellowship with God. The days are evil and we need to have a close walk with Jesus, our Savior. I need it. You need it. If you want to live an effective life, have an effective life, you need to be in fellowship with the Lord. I need to be in fellowship with the Lord. We need to keep short sure accounts with God. Tell Him our sins. We need we need to release the lies in our in our in our lives, and so that we can we can praise him appropriately, and we we can pray, uh, so that we can bring before God those things that are really pressing upon our hearts. And we do this, and we can do this only. If we surrender to God, what? Our sin, the lies, the subterfuge, and the belief that we can hide from him. There's nothing that we can hide from God. And so on my next show, I'm going to take up Revelation 116, which talks about what? Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. We're going to do uh, this in more detail and talk about the word that penetrates so that it can benefit us and the word that keeps on penetrating so that it can, it can keep on benefiting us. This is the work of our great high priest, and this is why his ministry on our behalf is so effective. We do not need a psychotherapist. We do not need a psychologist. We need Jesus. These people are unenlightened with the to spiritual matters. Why would we take spiritual matters to persons who are not trained to understand spiritual matters? It is counterproductive. It is counterintuitive. It, Jesus is our high priest. Good evening, and may God bless you.